And we're recording. Hey, man. How's it going? Man, it's going really good. I've uh, been writing a lot of code this week and just, just having a good time. Enjoying being a dad. That's awesome. Um, so how's the baby? How are you all sleeping? Uh, we're actually sleeping really well. Um, she had an abnormal night where she woke up at four. <laughs> and beyond that, she's, you know, she's basically perfect, Shane. That's awesome. She's a perfect <laughs> Shane. That's right. See what you did there. Yeah, she's just a perfect <laughs> no. Shane. <laughs> Uh, no, no, that's awesome. She's just a sweet kid, man. Like she doesn't mind sitting inside of her, you know, um, car seat, you know, for a couple hours and just taking a nap while I work. You know, she'll just sit there with me, and you know, she's she's just super chill. She's a great kid. A car seat? You have the car seat in the house? Yeah, sometimes we'll bring it into the house, and because she, she taught she likes to nap in it, honestly. So we'll bring it into the house, and sometimes, like when mom needs to take a nap or take a shower or something like that, just put her in there. You know, and I can just watch her while I'm while I'm over here on the computer, and she's uh, and she'll just take a nap, and she loves it. Is it a Graco? Um, it is a a baby trend. Okay, we had one that would clip in, like we would have a, a seat mounted in the car, or like a platform mounted in the car, and we could just snap her little carrier thing into it, but then take it into the house. Mm. So we didn't have to get her in and out of the car. And I didn't know if this was the same type because you, you mentioned that you brought it in the house. Right. It has a dock inside of the the car that we yeah, just yeah, like, that's... you know, just press a button or pull something and it just comes right on out. And then when we're ready to put it back, we just, it snaps right back in. Awesome. Okay. Yep. Yep. Same concept. So cool. how's the puppy? The puppy has a personality now. Uh, the puppy went to the vet today, got a couple shots, was not happy about that, was a uh, little, little tender. But the puppy's nipping at everybody mm. and just going crazy. So Megan's been doing the training, and she can say uh, "touch," and then the puppy will run to her hand and touch it, her hand with an with her nose for a treat. And then she's working on one now where she can get her to stay, and then she can say "free," and then they start walking together. Mm. Um, they're doing they're doing a couple of them. They're not doing anything like rolling over, but they're doing like a lot of stay and not a lot of like come here. Gotcha. Um, but we have, we have problems with. Uh, Maisie trying to bite the the girls' feet or their dresses or something whenever they're playing in the backyard, and the girls they just uh, wind her up instead <laughs> of like being relaxed or you know trying to I guess make it not fun whenever they're getting bit. They like squeal and put their hands in the puppy's face and taunt it and just get puppy excited. Oh, yes, yeah. And then the puppy comes over to me and starts biting on me and gotta get through this this chewy phase. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um. And then oh, next follow-up question for you is how are y'all doing with the, we haven't talked about this in a while, but just give me a, a quick summary of how are things going regarding COVID and quarantining and all that. We don't leave the house ever. Like we get everything delivered. Uh, I guess we leave to like, go to the vet or something, but we're, we're pretty, pretty quarantined still. And we're, we're pretty happy. Um, the girls are happy. Megan and I are happy. It's uh, it's not bad, really. We were looking at a, a video on on YouTube today about Canada because we were we were joking about moving to Canada because <laughs> Kanye West is now running for president. <laughs> and I, I we don't get political on this podcast, but he's running under the birthday party, and he, <laughs> I I 
So, um, oh man. And so I went to KanyeWest.com. If you haven't gone to KanyeWest.com, don't. But if you have, you'll know that it, this is just a weird website. And it feels like um, on car, is it is a Cartoon Network where they have Adult Swim at night. Yeah. They have this uh, this set of TV shows at night that are just insane. They're, they're funny, but there's like a stupid funny. And his website feels like that. And I, I can't take it serious. But yeah, we're... We were watching this thing on Canada, and then when, when we were done with it, we're like, "Yep, the grass is greener on the other side. We're going to stay here." It's, uh, <laughs> you know, like we have it so good here, and like leaving is just it is not even on the on the table. But right. it was just interesting to to see what's happening in other places and stuff. Uh, not gonna lie, this website is incredibly weird. I just loaded it up, and I just, <laughs> this, is, this is strange. KanyeWest.com. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah. So I had someone, not that, like a coworker. So you could you could say of mine, uh, as actually has COVID nineteen. Um, oh, I'm sorry, man. And you know they're saying that it's you know they have a little a little sniffle and a little back pain. Beyond that, they're still you know biking and stuff. So you know, <laughs> how were they diagnosed or why were they diagnosed? Like, did they? Did they get the test because they were around someone else who had it, or did they feel sick and then go get tested? Uh, I believe it was both. Okay. So you got tested, turned out positive. Yeah, I wonder how many people have it, but just don't get tested. Don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good question. You know, some people's symptoms are milder than others. So it's very strange, very strange thing. Now I want the antibody tests as soon as possible. I, I, I want it to be um, accurate and cheap. I had two friends get the the blood test done and both of them didn't have any antibodies and no exposure yeah okay never mind then so don't know what that means but i mean i they they apparently just haven't been exposed at all i guess so i don't know gotcha well speaking of friends and family um i've been thinking about building some apps and i want to build some apps to Help, I guess, help others and, and allow other people to use their phone in you know much much better ways. Because I have some friends who are in are in industries or in, in companies and or they run their own business and they don't have software built specifically for them. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do everything with Excel or trying to do everything with some of these generic programs. And it works, but it's just not as fluid or as as good as it could be. And so I've been thinking about building some apps to, to serve some of these underserved markets. But uh, I was talking with you, I think it was yesterday, earlier earlier today. Um, you were doing something similar to this, too. Yeah. I actually reached out to a uh, friend of mine because I was spending some time learning Swift UI, which we'll, we'll come back to. And I just realized how badly, like, I mean, I, I want to make an app. You know, I just, I love your speech that, and I bring this up. Every every so often, you have this this monologue that you do when you talk about the phones, <laughs> uh, specifically iPhones and everything that can do. And it's like, man, I just I just love these things, but I want to have I want to, you know, have my fingerprint on the App Store. So I just wanted to build something. So I reached out to a friend because I had told him I was learning, you know, Swift UI and kind of showed him a little bit of what I was doing. And he was just he just thought it was wild. He thought it was it was amazing that this is something that I could do. So I reached out to him the day after. I was like, hey man, like you work in 
you know, he works in a, a very, very underserved, you know, market. And I was like, is there anything, any processes that you guys have or, you know, some you know, data that you have to report on that would be easier if you had something just in your pocket that you could do? And he just came up with like three ideas off the bat and just started reaching out to his friends, trying to get their ideas. He reached out to his, uh, his future father-in-law and was like, what do you think of this? Like if there was an app for this, what, what, you know, what would you think of it? And it's, it's amazing that, you know, there are still, you know, plenty of places and plenty of industries where we just don't have good software. We might have some software. We probably have QuickBooks, QuickBooks extension somewhere that you can install and it kind of sort of works, but right. Nothing, nothing just, that's that's a delight to use or does its job so well you don't even have to think about it does he want compensation for the idea because that that turns off a lot of developers too they'll get the idea from somebody and that person wants 50 percent mm-hmm. but then the, the developer would spend man hours and and you know man months working on it and then split it but so those like arrangements never work yeah but um yeah i didn't know if if, uh, if this is something that you might consider and do, or if you're just still testing the water. We're still testing the water, so we haven't gotten that far along, honestly. Like, if anything, he has so many good connections in that world that he's in that if he wanted to, to take a cut to do sales while I just make the app really good, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not opposed to doing something like that. Just because no, I don't, that's fair. if I don't have to do sales, that would be better anyway. <laughs> And if he already knows everybody kind of doing that stuff, or he knows how to get in touch with more people who do this thing, then, you know, I'd rather do that. <laughs> nope. I'm with you. The other thing is, it's like scope creep. And as a developer, if you work full time for somebody, you continue And this. I've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. You I'll work for a company or, or somebody will work for somebody and they will have the original app. They will finish it or get it to the MVP stage. And then they will keep adding features and keep doing things just bas- basically to keep the developer busy or maybe to, you know, they have some roadmap, but you get to a point where it's done or it's, it's in pretty good shape, but then you keep messing with it. And as a developer, it's nice to be able to have an end point because we don't normally, our stuff is, especially with the app store, we don't burn it to a, a CD, ship it at Best Buy and we're done. We, we have to keep iterating uh, if you look at an app on the App Store and it hasn't been updated in two years, you think it's abandoned, you go look for something newer or something that's been updated more recently. Yep. You, you, but apps can be completed. And I have this this problem too. Like, I want to find some some projects that I that are small enough in scope and both parties understand, like the, the, the person who needs it and then the developer both understand what it needs to accomplish and then just go ex- execute it and move on. So I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot and these underserved markets, like as a developer, you kind of get burned out. If you try to think about making a new app because you're, you're competing against team, like companies with huge teams of developers mm-hmm. with a lot of infrastructure. It's like, I can't go create a Google photos. I could create something like a Picasa or something like, um, just one feature of Google Photos, but I can't do the full Google Photos like they're like they're doing. Yeah. And all of the ideas as a developer, you you're surrounded by the software. So this is what you uh, you know 
you, you think about whenever you're thinking about building your own your own app. But most people just need things to do, like text entry, a little bit of data manipulation, add a couple things, subtract, create a form. Like they're not asking for crazy innovative things, but it can it can completely change their business or their life. Like if they mm-hmm. don't have to go home at night and spend two hours you know, taking napkins and converting that into Excel or something. You know, they can have these things generated on the fly. Yeah. Some, some cool stuff can happen. I just had an air conditioner installed and these guys came in and they had their iPads and iPhones and, oh my gosh, TJ, like they were on top of it. They were sending me uh, links to get reviewed. They were sending me like, um, the actual location of the driver while he was driving to the, the house. Mm-hmm. So I knew if he was going to be there in five minutes or two hours or like what part of the window he would be there. Cause I just, he's down the street right now. It's time to go um, unlock the door and, and get this thing started. Like this technology is now being exposed to these other markets. And I, I'm really excited for that. So this leads me to Swift UI and what's it called? App clips. Is that the new thing in iOS 14? Yep. App clips. Yep. App, app clips are 10 megabyte apps or less. You don't have to install them. You just click run and you they, you go. So if I text you a link, you click the link, and now if the app's small enough, it just loads. I think a lot of these companies, their apps could just be app clips. Yeah. It, it takes the barrier to entry down to nothing. You just click it and you're done. Uh, the, the negative, though, is it's not cross-platform, and not all of the customers will be on iPhone. True, but Android has something similar to app clips. And they've had it for a while that, yeah. you know, it's basically a trimmed down version of the app. And I'm excited about this, too, because, you know, I go to sports clips to get my haircuts done. Yes, and yes. I, I don't need the app on there all the time. I just uh-huh. need it once, you know, every three or four weeks to be able to make a reservation. And right. that's it. Right. That's a perfect candidate for an app clip. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Restaurants, these like, like a Sonic app or something or a. You know what these these places where you get food, but I, I don't want the whole the app on my home screen all the time. All right, or if you look on your phone, you might see some of these today, and they've been there for six months. But because you might need it eventually, and I don't want to remember the login and password, or I don't want to have to you know try to log in again in the moment that I need it. But you know they're all great candidates for app clips, and then the sign in with Apple and Apple Pay features. So I think I'm going to start talking to some other entrepreneurs and other business owners about these in these underserved markets with the idea and the, the focus of app clips, signing with Apple, Apple pay, and just getting in, getting out, not trying to completely change the world with some innovative new way to do a, a checkbox and just use the, the built in stuff. Just use the native things that they already understand mm-hmm. and then get in and get out, solve the problem and then move on and get my, my little catalog, my portfolio filled up with a bunch of complete apps instead of a developer folder on my Mac with 45 partially built apps that in all crazy different stages and mm-hmm. and will never see the light of day. Hey, man, you don't need a change the world idea to have a successful app. It's, you just need to let people spend a few hours less in Excel each week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I've also been, you know, I've thought about little little games that are very simple but entertaining. Um, 
you know, Flappy Bird is always the one that people think about, where it's not a complex game at all. It's just incredibly simple. Right. And, you know, that guy made tons of money, you know, doing that. And it was, you know, I, I don't think it was a lot of fun for him after a while, but it shows you that simple ideas can be very successful. I want a good Tetris app that doesn't have a subscription because I think like the new Tetris apps have subscriptions and I don't want to pay $5 a month for Tetris. No. I want to pay $2 one time and have an app that kind of does Tetris. It doesn't have to be identical to Tetris, but I just want one. And I want a little jumping game like a Mario. And I want a little game like uh, uh, Galaga or, you know, any of those old, old little space shooter games mm-hmm. or like a, like a, Breakout or Windbrick or something. Like I want some of these these simple games, but like I, I don't want in-app purchases. I don't want loot boxes. I don't want to have to pay an extra ninety nine cents to get the the T shape in in Tetris or the the long beam. Like I just want to pay and just be able to use it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do too. And I think that's kind of why they did Apple Arcade is to yep. kind of encourage this. But even on Apple Arcade, they're still trying to make these huge budget apps and budget games and i just want some simple stuff yeah you don't need anything like crazy complicated no and if we're doing app clips we can do multiplayer and that can just text you the link you click it and now we're playing checkers now we're playing something and there's no install it's just lightweight and easy and it's funny that there are games like um there's there's one that just came out and it's on the apple arcade store called pac-man party royale have you seen oh, that? Oh, wow. No, I haven't. It's like a battle royale, but it's Pac-Man. <laughs> like like you're eating each other, but it's like 100 people in a giant grid? Basically. But I think I think it's fewer. I think you're supposed to play with friends. I don't oh, know okay. if you play on But it's, it's similar. You know, you're playing against each other. But, you know, they're, they're taking other, you know, games are very simple, and they're adding a bunch of stuff to them. But I do miss, you know, those old space shooters and whatnot. Those were good times, man. Yeah, and th- they don't have to be super complicated. No. Like, I'm looking at these new games. I think the new minimum price of, of games for the next generation will be, like, $70 a game. And Oof. you look at them, you're like, that's that's crazy prices. But they're, they're movies. They are full-blown. They have stories. They have scripting. They have mm-hmm. all this stuff. But, you know, a $20 game from back in the day was built in a weekend, and they just figured out how to make Pong work. You know, they're still fun. Yeah, they're still fun. They were they were just you know hackers messing around trying to trying to make something entertaining you know. So you've been doing some Swift UI lately. Been, I have uh, doing the which course were you using? I am um, using Paul Hudson's uh, who who does the hacking with Swift website. He yeah. has a really good. I'm trying to find hacking with Swift. Trying to find the exact name of the course. It's called Swift UI by Example. Um, okay, and it's I think about it's it's 400 pages of education on how to use <laughs> Swift UI, and it's entirely free, 100. Nice. Free. It's amazing what you can do with Swift UI because I've only done like the first chapter, if you will, which is building a complete project. Um, okay. And he starts from top to bottom. And by the time you get to the end of that chapter, you have a full-fledged app using, you know, states and using the Swift UI forms that are super simple to be able to get working. Like, with what I was able to do, 
I, I did in two hours would have probably taken me at least a full day or two had I been using UI Kit. It blew my mind. Okay, what is the drawback? Why, like, the, it can't just be this good. Like, what is the negative? Or do you lose customization? So, like, in uh, UI Kit, yeah, I can do anything I want. Do I lose some of this with Swift UI? Well, I wouldn't say so much that you lose it. Because say that there's a feature that you want. Say you want to create an entirely custom element with UI Bezier path. Okay. I want to create a checkbox, but I want like to change the picture. So when it's checked, it's a picture of a bear. And when it's unchecked, it's a picture of a, a, a different bear or something. Yeah. So not necessarily like the, the built-in checkbox, but I kind of want that functionality. Can yeah. I do something like that? Yeah, you can do that UI, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, you could totally do that. If you wanted to build something completely custom and have this controller that requires UI kit functionality, you can still use a UI kit view controller inside of Swift UI. Like a mix and match. Yeah, okay. you can kind of mix and match as you need to. Because it doesn't seem like the UI kit is going away anytime soon. Like this WWDC, we had sessions on what's new in UI kit. I don't think it's going away. I think it's going to be a different tool in your toolbox. So at least it's not going to be going away anytime soon. Okay. But it's, it's different, though, than something like Objective C, where it's like, yeah, Swift was built to entirely replace Objective C. It's more of, you know, yes, this is a way, like Swift UI is a way to build an app 80% of the time. It's probably all you need. But for that other 20% where you're doing something super custom, yeah, you can still go down to UIKit and use that. So two thoughts here. One of them being they didn't make this for Objective C. It's not backwards compatible. Nope. I can't I can't write this in Objective C. This and, and they are really pushing this, and they're mm -hmm. writing their own apps in this now. It's part of macOS. So I, you, the writing is on the wall. Like Objective-C is, is going away. We don't want to say it. Like it, it'll, it'll still be there, but new stuff won't be written in, written in it. The new frameworks won't support it. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely see this happening. Because SwiftUI is a framework, and it, it's not supporting it. It's not supporting it at all. You know? but, and it also gets rid of weird stuff that's inside of UIKit that we had. Yeah. Um, that was very objective C oriented, such as like, you know, a stringly typed class when you're setting up a, this is getting very technical, but you know how when you're setting up a UI view, uh, a UI table view cell and sure. you have to like you have use to a string. identifier cell. Yeah, yeah. You have to use the identifier <laughs> cell. And it's like, there's, there's a bunch of weird stuff that that happens that, is very much because of just the way that Objective-C works, whereas you don't have to deal with that at all inside of SwiftUI. It's, it's very declarative, and your UI just kind of adapts based off of what your application state is. And my, my second thought was, I was talking about web clips, or I'm sorry, app clips, and how these underserved markets, don't you don't need to reinvent the world or re reinvent the wheel as far as their interface. They can use the standard forms. Yeah. So it sounds like I could just scaffold up and build these forms really quickly using Swift UI. And you said it took two hours instead of a full day. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, build this little thing to enter some of the data that this guy's doing on the napkin. And instead of putting it into Excel, just do the math form and give them the result. Like this is, have you messed cool. with Swift UI forms at all? No. Okay. So it has this concept of forms where it's like you're doing data entry and makes okay. it super, super simple. Um, nice. with like lots of different pickers and your default values and it just makes things, you know, uh, taking a form, like building a form in UI kit was not fun. In my opinion, it could just get really weird, really fast. Whereas this is made for it. It's my other problem with the forms. 
you'd have a designer come in and want to change it to give it a theme for the company. Yeah. And so and the I my example earlier was a terrible one of the checkbox with a bear inside of it instead of a, a check. But let's say that like the company's I don't know, build a bear and they that's what they want. In the past I've had to fight with the frameworks and UI kit to try to use the designer's vision mm-hmm. of a slightly modified iOS experience, but still it's still iOS, but it's slightly modified to feel better for the company. And I would fight with it because like UI kit would have all these layers and things and and you're trying to like be clever and override something and you get it to work. And then the next version of the operating system comes out and it breaks it. And now there's bugs and it's all because you're trying to do things, you know, you're fighting against it. And so I want to get to the point where I'm not fighting against it anymore. Like I either need to say no to the designers and say, we have to do it use these themes or I need the UI kit or the Swift UI frameworks to be flexible enough that it lets me do what I want. Mm, That's what's terrible about web development is that (laughs) there are no limits is what you can do as a designer to go crazy. (laughs) Yes. And then they bring it over. They're like, we did this on the web. We want to match it in iOS, but still have a little iOS feel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, I wanted to talk about iOS shortcuts. Um, I wanted to talk about it last week, but um, I have an update this week. Let's hear it. I there's been a couple apps. So we've this is kind of the theme of this podcast is going to be like building apps kind of or small apps or just getting it published. My wife had a problem on her on her phone. She got a PDF and it was a picture of like a Christmas tree and some ornaments and it was it was a coloring sheet for the girls. And she got it from some designer and when she printed it from her phone It didn't handle the transparency correctly. So on the preview that she saw on the phone, it was just a Christmas tree and a couple ornaments. When Mm -hmm. she printed it, the ornaments were were squared because like the background behind the ornament was all black. So you'd have these black boxes across the screen or across the picture on top of the tree. When in reality we want just ornaments on the tree, not ornaments, you know, surrounded by black so that they're squares. And so the problem was Somewhere along the line in iOS, it's rendering the PDF that has transparency in some of these objects. And then when you go to print it, it doesn't print right. It it doesn't read those transparency flags right, and you get this weird uh, scenario. Right. And so the solution I had for her was text me the PDF, and then I will open uh, open it up in preview, save it as a TIFF, open the TIFF, save it as a PDF, and then send it back to her. And so that would convert, it would rasterize it, convert it back to just a, basically an image. Right. The file size would increase like five times, but she would be able to print it. And that was, you know, I was the hero of the day. And then I started getting more and more and more. And she sent me like 12 of them. And, you know, the first couple, it's like, no problem, sweetie. And then on like 11 and 12, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write an app. So I go down to the basement, sit next to her so I don't have to run up and down the stairs. And I'm just, talking to her about this problem. And so I'm thinking about how am I going to build this, this tiny little app just for her? And so I start going through it in my head. I'm going to build, I'm going to grab something to handle the PDF, rasterize it, convert it back, pop up a printer screen. And then, okay, that's easy. Now I need to get an icon for it. I got to uh, add some design polish to it. I need to submit it to the app store or put on test flight. I have to get icons. I have to get summary screenshots. It was, there's more work to get an app on the app store 
than actually like making the app. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about shortcuts. Like this is this this powerful app that I completely um, overlook and ignore all the time because sh- shortcuts allows you to piece together logic and functionality from other apps on the phone, but it's more complicated than an app. Like there's there's pieces to it. But it's not powerful enough that a pro- like a programmer would want, want to use code. I don't want to drag and drop a for loop or you know, some of these these, these symbols because they try to gamify it kind of. They have these cute little rounded rec- rectangle things and it'll say like input and output. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just want to code it. I can do the whole thing in 12 lines of code. I don't need to drag and drop all these pieces. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I opened up shortcuts and I... I realized that it was a lot easier than I thought. You need to spend a little bit of time with shortcuts to really understand what you can do. But fortunately, every shortcut that you have on your phone or you download off the internet, you can view the source. Like they're all open source because there's just these blocks on top of each other. And so I opened up shortcuts. I drug in a block that said, um, accept a file of type PDF. And then I drug in a block that said, take whatever file that I just got, just save that file as a TIFF. And then I drag in another block and I said, save whatever file that just passed through, save that as a, a, P, uh, a PDF. And then drag in the final block. And this said, and this one says, take any file that you just received and, and show the printer screen and print it. And so I drug those four or five blocks in there, hit run and, you know, pick the, the file on my, uh, from the text message mm-hmm. and it went boom, boom, boom. And, and you could actually like see it progress through the little shortcuts interface and printer screen popped up. I was ready to print and it worked, removed all of the, the black behind the ornaments on the Christmas tree. And so I was like, this is really, this is really powerful. This was really fast. I don't have to make an app now. I wonder how many other things that I've been doing or getting these tiny little apps for that I don't necessarily need. But then I, uh, the developer part of me also thought, I, this is like a moneymaker that I'm losing out now because before I could have just sold this app for 99 cents or something. But now like anybody can, can just create it. So I went back and forth set, you know, a little bit on that. But in general, it's better if you can, you don't have to pay, you can just build this little thing. But if you still want to you know, have someone give it to you or, or there's other options. But this shortcuts thing, I, I used it again. I had a uh, an image and I wanted to resize it and I didn't want to open up apps and try to resize it. So I built another one that take an image that would pop up a text field with the width. You type in the new width, it would do the math to figure out the new height and <laughs> save it. It was super easy and I just built it in shortcuts. I wanted to take it farther. Like what else could I do on this? And, and I went through and looked at all of the options that they had in shortcuts and they have a bunch, but they don't have everything. So I went on the app store and I started looking. I found an app called Toolbox Pro for shortcuts. And this app, if you install it, it adds a whole bunch of new little widgets or like little boxes in the shortcuts app that you can use. One of them was a machine learning object detection model. So basically, I would drag over the little shortcut uh, widget for accept an image. And then I would drag over this little one. And this one would say, take whatever image and return to me a list of every object that you see in that picture, and then the confidence, or you know, how, like how how confident are you are are you that it has a globe in the um, in the image? 
And that's all it took. And then I could drag over another one that said, um, or another little widget that says, take the first line and, you know, rename the original file to that, um, that result. So if I drug over a picture of a, of a globe or I, you know, inserted a, a ran the shortcut with a picture of a globe, it would rename the file to globe.png or something like this, just something tiny and trivial that you could just do with a shortcut. And you're taking an image, you're, you're figuring out what's in the image and you're renaming it. So I look farther. There's other apps. There's one called Pythonista and there's one called Scriptable. Uh, Scriptable lets you actually type in JavaScript and use your JavaScript code in the middle of shortcuts. So I could start off with a little picker, accept the image. I could have the next little gadget or widget that detected what's in it. And then I could have JavaScript in there that could go through and hit my web server, download stuff, compare, see if I already have a globe, see if, if you know other people are sharing it or whatever I wanted to do. And then when it's finished, it could have some output that I could then pass to the rest of the workflow. So you could do anything now if you have the ability to, to actually program. And this is all approved by the App Store. This is all official things that you could do on the on the devices now. You can actually build little scripts and little little shortcuts. And so I started trying to figure out how does this relate to like the computer? And my analogy is kind of like a bash or a batch script. And so like on the Mac, you can write and you can do anything in a bash script. Uh, it's going to be painful than compared to a regular programming language, but you can do anything. And I think with the shortcuts app, you can do almost anything. It's just mm -hmm. going to be painful and tedious, but it's possible. And this is, this is like a, a game changer for me. Uh, with iOS 14, when you want to run one of these shortcuts, it doesn't open up the app anymore and go through all the steps. It just appears at the top of the screen. It says, like, it gives you a progress bar or something. It's just very, very subtle. Very so discreet. The short, yeah. yeah, very, very discreet. So shortcuts in iOS 14 is going to allow you to make basically extensions or workflows, and they don't feel like it's all programmery, hackery stuff. It just, it'll just feel like, like it's just something you can do. It doesn't okay. feel like Automator, which kind of felt like black magic. Yes. Yeah. You know, it feels like, it, I mean, it feels like in a way, yeah, you're right. You're making your own extension. Yeah. On the device. And I can yeah. share them. So I can build this script, this shortcut, and I can text it to you. So if now as a small business owner, if I needed to do something specific, I don't necessarily have to hire someone to program it for me. I can get somebody to create me a shortcut or build one, build one myself and then get this thing onto my devices and not have to go through all of the steps in order to get it onto the app store and do all that extra stuff. I can just get it done and solve my problem and move on. So I'm seeing this theme a lot going forward, especially when I was 14, is just getting the solution to the customer quicker than your traditional app store model. So kind of, you know, pivoting to our next, next topic, but I have gotten the opportunity to start playing around with Safari on the Mac, which yeah. sounds super, well, of course you are, you're, you're a Mac user. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I've been using Firefox a lot. And don't get me wrong, I still like Firefox, but 
I needed to be able to test a web application I was working on in a separate browser just so I could like have two different sessions or like authenticated sessions going on at the same time. I open Safari and I start to use it and it's like, man, this thing, this thing looks really nice and it's fast. It's uh, it's very pretty. You know, I don't have an intention of making it my default browser as of yet, but I, I, I've gone from, from Chrome, I've gone to Firefox and like, you know, maybe, maybe I just start, you know, messing around with Safari a little bit and just seeing how, how well it treats me. But you know, it's, it, it's uh, the thing that I noticed. So, uh, the thing I noticed about it is that it's just very, it's very Mac like, you know, it doesn't feel like it's been ported to every other, you know, operating system known to mankind. It feels very much at home in the Mac. Um, <laughs> yep. So I just wanted to point that out. I think it's, I think, I just think it's nice. We got well like done, a few, Bravo Apple. A few weeks ago, we talked about uh, the book Creative Selection, and that was about uh, one of the guys, uh, the author of that was one of the guys who originally made Safari. And mm-hmm. we talked about the history of, of browsers and how they're basically all the same engine now, roughly WebKit and Blink. Um, but yeah, Safari has always been better for battery life for me on the mm-hmm. Mac. Yeah, almost definitely. Chrome bundled, uh, was it Flash for several years? Yeah. And that would always, like there would be an ad or something on the paper, or <laughs> paper, on the page. Flash would kick in and my fans would spin up. But when yep. I ran it in Safari, it doesn't have Flash, and they just would not render that ad, or it would just render it differently. So I've I've used Safari as much as I could the several year several years just for battery life. When I was on the Surface and on Windows 8 tablets, I would use Edge. I could not use Chrome or any of the others for the same reason. It just felt like that native browser from the provider or from the the, the owner of the the system which is more optimized and with scrolling would be faster. You know, everything just performed better. And I still see that with Safari today. Like mm-hmm. it just feels better. If you get the Safari, was it Safari technology preview? It's a, uh, it's like their beta. You can go download. Um, it would allow you to have both versions of Safari running at the same time. And each one has their own, cache so i'm able to load one session in one browser one session in the other without going into incognito mode so i'm able to you know test cross-site cookies and things like that the most recent safari developer preview or safari technology preview whatever they call it um, has all of the new stuff that you're going to get in safari with big sur so you have that new shield that tells you how many things have um or how many things it's blocked and all that new security stuff. You get the new layout, uh, new web inspector changes. So it's just really cool to be able to see, you know, how Safari is going to pr- progress, and have two sessions, two sessions at once, and keep your battery life going. So yeah, I'm with you. Safari is pretty cool on the Mac. I will have to look into that technical. Was it what is it called? Technical demo. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I think it's like Safari technical preview. Technical preview? Yeah, I'm going to give that a shot. And look, at, I'm really excited about Big Sur. This is the first time I've been really excited about macOS release in a long time. Have you installed it yet? I have not, no. What uh, What part of it is exciting for you? I think just the, having the updated UI. I'll be honest, I've not been a huge fan of this iteration of the Mac's UI relative to you know the, sh- the, the shiny um, 
more of a, you know, as Steve Jobs would describe, you know, lickable <laughs> user interface. <laughs> Those that, buttons were so nice looking, the blue one. So nice. You know, the Mac OS 10.4 through 10. Point, I think 9, 10.9, okay. 10.8. Those were the ones where I think that the UI looked the best. I personally think Snow Leopard was the most gorgeous operating system known to man. Um, I loved Snow Leopard. And this flat just doesn't look as good on the Mac. But this new one that they're doing, which is kind of a merge between what looks like a Snow Leopard plus the current day iOS, I think I think it looks good. I think it looks really good. So I'm, I'm excited about that UI. I'm wondering how many people leave the default background wallpaper on their Macs because I format my machine several times a year and I end up with the same wallpaper, like the the default wallpaper, because or or I'll change it to black or something so it's easier to see. But I wonder, like, what was the Catalina wallpaper? Was remember? See, that's okay. That's really weird to me, though. I always have a custom landscape wallpaper and I change it probably once every few weeks. You have a landscape. Are you taking these pictures or are you finding ones off the internet? Um, I use unsplash.com. Oh, nice. Okay. Which has a lot of, a lot of really pretty wallpapers. I'll actually send you the one that I'm using right now. And it's just like, for some reason, like it's, it always gives it, it just freshens up my experience. I feel like, you know, it's, I, I like using macOS all the time anyway, but when it's when there's something a little bit different, I don't know. For some reason, it just it just feels good, you know. Do you use your desktop to put files on, or do you hide all your files in some folder and leave the picture pristine I leave on the, the screen? Picture pristine. Okay. Like if I have to, I will. Like if I'm working on something very temporary, I'll I'll keep it on the desktop for maybe a couple days. And then after that, I start to, I start to clean it out. Cause I, I don't like having stuff on my desktop. Actually, I'll just send you a screenshot of what I've got. Yeah. We'll put this picture in the, in the show notes, but um, yeah, like I use the desktop as a scratch pad. Like if I'm taking a screenshot of something or I'm temporarily working on a file, I'll put it on the desktop. And, and a lot of times if I'm working on a project, I will call it delete me. Or mm-hmm. you know, delete me if you see this. And then if I'm ever looking at my desktop and I see a bunch of things that say delete, if I'm not working on it at that moment, I know that before I had already made the decision that this is not going to be archived. I can just wipe it out. So delete a whole bunch of stuff off the desktop. Whenever I'm trying to, to be a power user on the iPad, I don't have that. I have the on this iPad folder in files that I can kind of put some scratch pad stuff in, but I don't have like a desktop or a, I think something that's in my in my face and that will remind me that I need to clean it up when I'm done. I don't have that on the iPad. That makes sense. Yes, sir. So I want to talk about our picks of the week, sir. Okay. Go for it, man. Go first. All right. I'm going to go first. Um, so I have a pick of the week right now inside of our doc that we're referencing, but I'm going to, you know, pull a, pull a fast one on you, Shane. I'm going to change it. So, not cool. Not cool, <laughs> DJ. I had opinions and thoughts on this this pick of the week, and you were just pulling a fast one. Pulling a fast one. We're going to discuss that one next week. All right. My pick of the week this week is a little app called Mac Tracker. Have you ever heard of it? No. What is this? Mac Tracker is an app that 
is is kind of what it sounds like. It is a really has a really nice UI and kind of just dives into the history of every model of the Mac and the iPhone, iPad, watch all the, all the Apple products essentially, and say I want to know about the eMac, the one that had ATI graphics that was around being sold from May 2003 to October 2003. I can find that and I can see the initial price that it was sold with, the memory and graphics. I can read the history of it. Um, and I can do this with, you know, every Mac going back to the, the Apple, Apple <gasps> one. Oh, it's on the app store on the iPad. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I forgot about that. It is on the iPad. It's also on the Mac. Um, and it's an excellent little app. It's fun to just kind of get lost and just like, you know, like I don't really know anything about the performas. Like I was, I was two when the performas came out, so I can I can read about the Macintosh Performa four hundred and like what what was it? And you know, they they kind of get their history from Wikipedia and from another um, website called Apple History. Oh, um, cool. Okay. Yeah, AppleHistory.com, and so it's kind of a it's kind of a mix of those two things, and you can also like log which devices you have inside of your Mac collection. You can read about, you know, different classic Mac. It's just a fun historical tool where you can just, you know, look at pictures of old Macs, you know? That's awesome, man. That feels like a like a coffee table book or something like that. It is a coffee table book, but built in software. That is a very <laughs> good way of, of describing it. I like it. My pick of the week is a little different. Um, it is a water heater. It is a propane portable camping water heater and so lately it's been i don't know in the 70s to 90s here in colorado and we filled up the the little pool in the backyard little inflatable pool for the girls and it's cold like if you're getting water from the tap in colorado it is cold so we're running it through this little portable water heater it's from coleman and it's propane power so your little uh your camping propane tanks or you can get, a, get an adapter and plug it up to a big boy but uh yeah we're running running all of the the water from the hose through this machine into the pool and then the water and the girls get you know lukewarm to hot water and immediately it completely changes how you experience that little pool because the girl's attention span is about the time it takes me to start filling up the pool about one inch and mm -hmm. after one inch of water they've got their fill they're, they're tired, they want to go inside, and there's grass everywhere. They get in and out of the pool over and over again, track grass oh, into yeah. the pool. But <laughs> with the water heater, it's, you know, they step in, and it's, it's uh, room temperature water or warm water instead of freezing cold water, and it's just fun. And so we've been, uh, you know, filling up the pool with a couple inches of water and of hot water and, and just having a fun time. But, uh, yeah, this little water heater is really cool. That's awesome. How big is it and how heavy is it? It is um, smaller than a Mac Pro. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Trash can Mac Pro or current gen Mac Pro? Current gen Mac Pro. It's um, maybe a little bit wider than a Mac Pro. I haven't seen one in person. It, I, <laughs> I'm assuming it's wider than a Mac Pro, but about the same height. That's true. I haven't seen one of those either. Dang it. We need this COVID thing to go away so I can go and see the new Mac Pro. No kidding. So unless you write an app for that. Uh, they should. 
I need to go be able, you know, look at iPads and convince Jenny that I need one. And I'm not going to be able to do that if I can't go to the Apple store. You need to convince Jenny that she needs one for the baby. I, I'll figure this out. There, there's got to be a way that we can. There's, there's logic in here somewhere that will yeah. get me the opportunity to spend money. Yep. But uh, no, it's good stuff. I'm Yeah, I miss the Apple store. Yeah, you know what I else do. I miss? What's that? I miss my Apple Watch. Like, I opened up uh, the activity app or the Apple Watch app on my, my phone, and it was embarrassing. It's like, you you haven't done anything in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Many days of unfilled circles. Yep, yep. Uh, that's going to be quite the day when we you have a new watch and we don't you know we don't have to talk about how you still can't find it anymore that's gonna be that's gonna be quite a day i think that's gonna be the marker for season two that that's it that yep that that is it when the new watch comes which i haven't ordered it and don't have any plans to but when that happens season two starts season two starts hashtag <laughs> the cowboy good night man good night